Belgium are the kings of world hockey. Long live the king. Is that it? Yeah, mate, sorry, I've got to make it shorter by 15%. Uh. And welcome to the reverse stick. It's a bit of a post-World Cup hangover here with us. What a fantastic couple of weeks of hockey it was. And congratulations to Belgium. First time World Cup winners. What scenes there were in Brussels. My co-host... Matt Allen, how are you, mate? I'm good, and you are? John Lee. You are indeed, and look, thanks to those two idiots that stepped in for the past couple of weeks for us doing the World Cup Daily, Matt Lee and John Allen. Um, they didn't do too bad a job, I didn't think, mate. Uh, this is episode 75, we're back. Episode 75, John, why is that number 75 really significant? Ah, uh, you're going to tell what me. What an incredible year 1975 was. It was hot, hot, hot all over the world. Who was born in 1975? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Madonna? Was she? I'm guessing that, yeah. So um, she's I think so, yeah. haggly as you are, then. Excuse me? <laughs> I think we're both looking very good for our age, thanks very much. Madonna, call yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> beauty's in the beholder. <laughs> anyway, uh, what have we got? Be- beer oh, holder, geez. beer holder, beauty. It's, yeah, anyway. We've got lots to get through. There's been, and look, not just the World Cup, in the last few days, apart from the World Cup on the field, there's been things going on, but off the field, Stuff's been happening as announce, well. Announce, 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 and I tell you what, if you've got some news Just to get out... Just before Christmas, what a time to do these Well, things. you've got to do this sort of thing, because the holidays are coming up, John, and we know, and we definitely know this, FIH will be go, going very quiet for two weeks over the Christmas period. Yeah, not that they're not ordinarily very quiet. You don't think? Well. Anyway, let's get on to the, uh, the first bit, shall we? Well, yes, indeed, the news. Uh, well. well, let's get to the World Cup later. Let's first start talking about a couple of other things that have been happening. The hockey series open. Well, not as soon the day the World Cup finishes. Uh, the next very next day, we're underway with the last of the hockey series open. We didn't know if it was going to happen. It was yes and no, and there were different teams were going to be involved, and we didn't know if Pakistan were going to be involved at the World Cup at the well, last there time. Was we a hockey series open going on during the World Cup of course well was. for women the hockey series open in Zimbabwe uh, in Bulawayo three teams involved there Namibia Zambia and Zimbabwe and Namibia finished up on top there uh, played their two games won their two games uh, four goals for none against well done to them they won 3-0 uh, and 1-0 that was just a two day competition it there, was. wasn't it um, on the men's side 7th and to the ninth. On the men's side, Egypt uh, came away at top of the pile in that one. Um, it was great to see a hockey series open finally happening in Africa. Yeah, it's had to happen while the World Cup was on. Yeah, it was, yeah. And participation numbers weren't that great. And, of course, whilst we're still in Africa, we've got the African Continental Club Championships happening at the moment okay. as well, haven't we? And that's where we're midway through that at the moment. Oh, the teams are competing there. We should go through those. You can follow follow on social media. If you check out iSports360, the number 360 at the end, we've got all the game day results are coming up on there. Uh, do you want to take us through the teams that are involved? The teams that are involved on the women's side of things, the Carter Queens... Telcom, the GRA, that's the Ghana Revenue Association. It is. Authority. Authority, yeah. Tax women. Uh, The Delta Queens, and we also have USIU. It's their first time in a competition, but I can't tell you where they're from. (laughs) Okay, and they're uh, the Ghana Police, 
who've been stalwarts of this competition. For the men, we've got Gra men, the GRA men. Yeah. That's the Ghana revenue again. Uh, the ex-checkers, El Sharkia from uh, Egypt. Egypt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, one of the record winners of this competition. Eastern Com Dot. Yes, I think it's Communications. Eastern Communications yeah. and uh, Carter Stars and Niger Flickers. So good luck to all those teams. There's a couple more days action left over. I think it goes through to the weekend actually, John, with it. Um, yeah, we, we I think last year we had a shootout between the Ghana, the Ghana Revenue Authority and the Ghana Police, didn't we? Which was uh, slightly concerning. Oh, that was. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, well, one side had the guns and one side had the money. Well, that's taking part in a booger at the moment. Okay, is it time to go World Cup? Not yet, John. Oh, okay. We've got any other tournaments happening at the moment? Have we? Yeah, hockey well, series open in Pakistan. This is oh, quite that's a right. significant. Whoops, whoops, whoops. Uh, whoops this is the that. first time in 14 years there's been an international tournament to be had in Pakistan. Now, of course, earlier on in the year they had the uh, uh, the All Stars games that were happening. We spoke to Grant Schubert, uh, former Kookaburra at the time, who, who went out and played there. And uh, these were the, the the first baby steps being made by Pakistan to try and get. International hockey happening there again. Now, of course, there's been a whole heap of troubles between then and now, uh, particularly financially, but also politically within the, the organisation. We didn't know if the side were going to make it, the men's side were going to make it to the uh, the World Cup. Hire came on as sponsors, and Hire also, they've committed to, a I think it's a two-year deal, so they're the, the headline sponsors of this Hockey Series Open in Lahore, the very last Hockey Series Open for the season. So at the end of this, we're going to know all the teams that are going to be making their way through to the Hockey Series finals and ultimately the Olympic qualification for 2020. Okay. Where does that leave us? Well, who's involved here, John? Uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Nepal and Afghanistan. At least they're all close neighbours of Pakistan. Didn't have to travel far there for those nations. No, I understand there's a Pakistan team playing as well. So when they're not, they're sort of off days and things that, that they're also getting hockey against some of these nations. So, um, that, I think, I believe it's under 21s for the Pakistani guys. I need to look into that. But. The well, the Kazakh, the, the, we're halfway through the tournament. At this stage, the Kazakhs have played two games and, uh, they've had uh, an 8-0 victory and a 6-0 victory over Afghanistan and Nepal respectively. Um, and uh, Uzbekistan have uh, only played the one game which they won 11-0 against Afghanistan. So I think the Kazakh-Uzbek um, game, the Stan Derby could be the one to watch there as far as uh, who progresses from that particular competition. No, there's three stands in that competition. Well, there are three stands, but one of those stands is not going to be finishing first or second. Last man's... Or probably third. Last man standing. Yeah, well... Yeah. Uh, Kazakhstan played Nepal, and Nepal put up a good fight trying to finish, lose 6 0. So. I don't know the quality of Nepal hockey, but you can catch some of these games on the FIH YouTube you channel. And you do can so. You can follow on Twitter now, at Hockey Series, and uh, you may get some updates through I that. I did notice you retweeted the, uh, the link to watching it on the YouTube or something the other the day. Hockey Live, yeah. I believe our, our good friend Amajit, uh-huh. uh, he, he did post, uh, af- on that at some particular time commented on that that uh, he wasn't very impressed about the standard of hockey that was being played and that may be right Amajit but you've just been on a diet of two and a half weeks worth of the best hockey you're likely to see so How uh, greedy give him a little you? bit of break a little Look, tiny break had it been the first game you'd seen in six months you'd have been very happy oh yeah huh? you'd have first, that down, first no world problems Amajit <laughs> 
Okay, <laughs> you said that. So that's what's happening right now, but of course we've got to look back a little bit. Woke up, woke up. At the, uh, the thing that is absorbed so much of our lives over, <laughs> over the past couple of weeks, and probably yours as well, listeners. It was, uh, and Belgium took out the 2018 edition Men's Hockey World Cup. What a fantastic tournament from the Belgians. We uh, sort of questioned their performance early, didn't we, Matt? I just love Stick the, our hands up. I love the way that all the way through uh, the uh, the World Cup daily, you did say the Belgians. Um, oh, you know, Belgians. I, well, yeah, but it is, but it doesn't matter, cause, you know. But I just like the way you say it. Belgians. The Belgians. Oh. Yeah, I think they should be called great the Belgians. Name, great name for a band, wouldn't it? Belgians. <laughs> uh, Sorry, and their mercies. Okay, let's get, They won. Do you reckon they care? Um, <laughs> they're well, drinking they, beer and pr- eating chocolate and going pr- crazy. Prime Minister stood down today. Who? The Belgians. Did he? <laughs> the, Bel- well, the Belgians Prime Minister. <laughs> Look, let's be serious. It, it had nothing to do with the hockey, but, mate, what a reception in the Grand Place there in Brussels. Yeah. Uh, they reckon 6,000 fans I mean it's a beautiful setting and it ain't that big a square but um, just an amazing welcome home for the team from a a, a well deserved victory not just from their performances in the tournament but the whole lead up over the past 5 or 10 years how they've built as a nation and as much as I'd have loved the Kookaburras to win it I couldn't have thought of particularly after seeing the reaction to a better team to win it just Incredible for what it means. That's the first time Belgium have won a World Cup of team sport at anything. Yeah, no, the tremendous performance from them. Look, well done to everybody involved in organising the tournament. I'm sure it had some hiccups somewhere along the way, but you know what? We didn't really hear about them, didn't really find out about them at all. Uh, nothing seemed to really throw a spanner in the works, if you'd like to put it that yeah. way. Um, everything seemed to go smoothly. It was obviously enjoyed by the players. They had a blast there. The fans were fantastic. You know, except for one thing, the coverage was great for the rest of the hockey world. We got to see it. We got stats. We got things that we hadn't got before. Um, well, I didn't get... I watched most of it on Fox Sports here in Oz, so I didn't get a lot of the pre-game and the in-between game um, commentary and th- um, um, interviews and, and all of that because you didn't guess, know, did you? it went to um, repeats of some sailing and things like that in between the games, which was a little bit frustrating. A bit um, disappointing, that. Generally good. And, lo- and like I mentioned in the last World Cup Daily, John, the work that was done on the ground by Sports Edition yep. um, and the fan experience. Yeah, that yeah sort of fantastic. Thing. And that's something having, having pitches outside the ground for people to engage and play that's the first in India that's never happened ever before so they're trying really hard to look at what's working elsewhere around the world um and uh, event activation is, uh, you know, it is key isn't it with making things happen and so good good on them for taking it on board oh look and it, it was a fantastically successful tournament from the hockey side of things as well and not not just the way it was organised. Brilliant. The teams from ga- from ga- game from one games. to game thirty six, yeah. just fantastic all the way through. So it's something of interest in every single game, um, and that you know that showed through in those third round games where there was something on it. Um, there was an opportunity, as Belgium showed, to Belgium showed to ease their <laughs> oh dear. It, to ease their way in a little bit and not really get the best performances in your first couple of games but as long as you were there or thereabouts um, and you didn't have to win the group did you? Well, what I found interesting was that there were a lot of games that didn't necessarily go to script 
um, not perhaps the level of upset we saw from the Women's World Cup, but that just that things weren't exactly as we thought, if you know what I mean. You know, like some of the countries that we thought might have performed really well didn't, but it wasn't as if they were playing bad hockey. No, it's a little bit off on certain days and some players not doing things that they would normally do in, in other situations. Um, I think the way the draw uh, lay, and the same with the women's as well, there was an opportunity for those teams like, like in inverted commas, China and France to get into a quarter-final spot somehow within the mix of it, just as it was with Italy and, and Ireland um, yeah. in, the, in the Women's World Cup. And I, I think some of that needs to be looked at, not because I, I want to detract from that opportunity for those smaller nations, oh, geez, smaller, the non-powerhouses, um, to advance and, and improve profile and, and show their, their genuine standing in the, in the world of hockey. But it needs to be a bit more transparent, the draw, with, with how it all works, and it needs to make sense, like you've said before, crossovers need to be actual crossovers. So there's no chance of you meeting up again with a team... Until you get to the grand final. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, OK, let's go through some of the award winners from the tournament. Sure. So, uh, in, individual awards. Uh, best player, Arthur Van Doren. Had a sensational tournament. Uh, the current junior and senior world player of the year. Um, I don't think he put much of a foot wrong through the tournament. He was, he was just, uh, he was, he was there everywhere in that Belgian backline, wasn't he? Oh, he was a fabulous player. Uh, no. Edition Mining Corporation best goalkeeper went to Permin Blark. Um, now he had the game of the tournament in that semi-final against Australia. No doubt that he won that game for them. Yeah, um, fantastic. But up to that point. Um, I think there were better goalkeepers involved in the tournament for the fact that David Carter got two um, best player uh, player of the match yeah. awards for Canada um, shows that he's got a bit about him. I thought the other uh, Canadian keeper, Kindler, was very good as well. Some of the bigger name keepers perhaps didn't perform to where they would have liked to. And Wang uh, is a future. Watch out for Wang. Wang was sensational for China. Um, Toby Walter was fantastic uh, for Germany as well. And Van Ash, obviously, in the final, uh, played, oh, played the game that, he needed that, to play in the, in the sorry, grand sorry, final. Sorry. That's it. Sorry. What? what what's the matter? Real plastic. Yeah, but I've still got some more to talk about. No, quarter time. What? You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. Let's keep going through those award winners. So, we? so, just want to clarify, John. We've just had a quarter time there. Well, that was for an ad break, was it? Yeah. Did we play an ad break? No. Okay. Uh, Hockey India best junior player, Thies van Dam of the Netherlands. Hero, top scorer, shared seven goals apiece between Alexander Hendricks, well done, well done Jimmy, and uh, Blake Govers of Australia. Oh. I saw when they did the presentation at the end, which did go on a while, by the way, um, they got presented the, the check jointly, so I don't know if they needed to share it or they were stumping up the same amount for both. Joint uh, account. Well... Blake, Blake walked away with a bit, the big bit of paper anyway, so I'm hoping he's just popped that in the bank and away he goes. Yeah, a Dish of Fair Play Award goes to Spain. Of course it does, they only play three games. Uh, Hockey India Fans Choice, Arthur Van Doren. So the Fans oh. Choice was given up to the, to the, basically the four guys that had all got two votes, uh, for player of the match. So, uh, Gunard, um, Van Doren, who did I mention before? Carter. And do, 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 Liam, An- Liam Ansel. Oh yeah. Um, who had a fantastic tournament as well, yeah. Um, is he English? He is, yes. Yeah. 
but you know, he, he, he didn't bounce back as well as I was expecting from the rubber, rubber man in the, in the semi-final. Um, Hockey India maximum team goals goes to Australia, of course. Um, Eleven against China, again eight against England in the and, uh, bronze medal match. Good to see Barry Middleton slot one in that, it in was, that game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as as much as I thought he wasn't the same player after he copped that injury in the uh, quarterfinal, uh, it was great to see him do that. Now, John, probably the most prestigious award, there's one remaining of the official awards from the tournament. The reverse stick award? No, 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 no we won't go through that. Um, we must post up all of our goals of the day. That will come up on social media soon. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, all at the reverse stick. All of those. The so Hockey India Best Team Goals Celebration Award. Goes to? I don't know. India, of course. Ah, well, they so, won an award for the best team goal yeah. celebration. Congratulations to, to India. Does that mean they got the most number of blokes hugging one person at you, the same time? You didn't see the backflip? Hey, backflip. No? Yeah, whatever. Maybe that was Ollie on the sidelines. Did you get anyway. more points for that? What, the rankings? It, what, what does it say in the book? New does it just new, have goal? New rankings. One? Don't worry, it's new rankings and oh, okay. goal celebrations play right. a huge part in That's that. That's why I go to hockey. Um, any standout players for you through the tournament? Wang. Yeah, Wang. Gavis. Gunard, fantastic. Gunard. No, Matthew Swan. Oh, uh, Matthew Swan. Super. Had a great Did you see that pick, uh, he made in the, in the, um, the bronze medal match? On the sideline, just it's just supreme. A couple of times in the tournament, well, Ockenden had one uh, to, for the equaliser that he started with, it, with it when he uh, picked it like a ripe apple, didn't he? And, and finished it off at the other end of the field. Swanee's pick was just as good. The he was char. superb throughout. Yeah, the big char, 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 char. Obelix. The he, uh, he was fantastic because there's not too many teams that turn around and look at their fullback and say, "Yeah, mate." You can you can be the short corner runner. Oh, Lockwood need need to mention as well in yeah. the French side for early performances he was, there. He was good. Um, Who else caught your eye? Well, what I like, mate, my wife didn't. Is that I watched thirty six games <laughs> of hockey. So there were guys that I'd never heard of before. There were those that I heard the name but didn't know the playing style or or you know 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 what they were all about. So uh, my awareness of guys within the, that top sixteen teams. From around the world has increased, so I'm I'm happy with that, you know, knowledge-wise. I'm just uh, it's good to know, good to know who's good. And, and looking forward to EHL. Apparently, they've got 60 in EHL coming up later in the year. The Euro Hockey League. There's 60 guys that were involved in the World Cup. Yeah, are all playing be for EHL. Fantastic teams. Euro League this year. Um, and just finally, I I do believe um, there is some sort of ranking involved with this tournament as well. Uh, of course, Belgium are champions. They won the thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but from there, can you tell us who first loser was? First loser, uh, Netherlands. Third loser, Australia. Fourth loser, England. Because that was your fourth semi-final. No, that's third loser, England. Third lo- you're right, sorry. Uh, and then we go down. Germany, India, Argentina, France, New Zealand, China, Canada, Pakistan. And then to the four teams that went out early. Spain, Ireland, Malaysia, South Africa. And so with, the, with the greatest respect to all those teams with the term first loser. You know, t- Belgium are the kings, mate. That's it. <laughs> They're kings. <laughs> That's it. And look, I, I couldn't be happier, to be honest. I, no, I, fantastic. I, I think it, uh, well, well deserved. Might have been different if they met the Kookaburras at some stage in the tournament. Um, but not to I, be. It would have been. A, it would have been a very close game. Either way, uh, look. Once you get to the semi-finals of a World Cup, it is toss the coin stuff. All of those teams, you're going to be playing against very, very good hockey teams, and to see. You know, certainly for the semi-finals, a great class of play, um, brilliant hockey. wasn't quite the same in the in the final and the.
bronze playoff, but it was still so, but, really so, interesting. The final was a very interesting game. Only two shootouts, semi-final Australia, uh, Netherlands, and the final bad Netherlands. in Netherlands. Uh, yeah, incredibly tight games. There's the final itself, a defensive masterclass. Okay, we didn't have the celebratory moments. And, geez, the, how was the celebratory moment for Belgium when they thought they'd won it and then, oh, and then they had the referral against them? Oh, my stomach was turning. I was thinking, oh, you poor bastards, if, you, if this goes the other way now. One more thing, just before we lead the World Cup. I think games like that, the, the semi-finals, deserve extra time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's... It's unfair, isn't it? It's, un- it's unfair. And, and yeah. particularly that Australia-Netherlands game, oh. where another 10 minutes of hockey or 15 well, minutes of hockey it, there, well, it, it would have, particularly if it went to goal, it goal and goal. But it doesn't matter. You'd have another 15 minutes of pure excitement exactly. there. Exactly. And then you go, all right, you've both I had your opportunity. I think we owe it to the players yeah. to give them the opportunity to the teams to finish it themselves. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying for every game, but from, say, the semi-finals on, yes, there is an extra time component. And be it seven and a half minutes each way, ten minutes each way, five minutes each way, I think they should bring that back for those big, big games. Because that Australia-Netherlands game, as exciting as the shootout was in both of the finals, it was such a letdown at the end to go to that shootout. Well, this it is was it. like, well, well, no, well, I want to see more of what I've just been watching. I don't it. want to see that stuff. Yeah, I yeah. want to see more of this. Yeah, we can wait. For, we can wait for that. Yeah. And as it was, both those games then go to the sudden death with the shootout as well, which is just a horrible bloody way yeah, to lose the game. Yeah, fabulous. Mate, uh, before we go, uh, World Cup Daily thanks. Yes, on this oh, subject. Uh, thanks so much to EarnStStudioHockey.com uh, for his daddy predictions. About 50% he was on, but uh, y- you might have been up on the money with him. Uh, Mahir Vazavda from the Indian Express, Jaspreet Sani from Times, Times of India, India at the FIH and Star Sports India for some of the uh, audio um, footage commentary we've got. On, on the socials of course our families John uh, thanks to the Canuck and Teo for some of the predictions a bit of fun there and thank you to everybody out there for listening and your support on the socials fabulous let's get to the next bit oh. you are listening to the reverse stick the global hockey podcast and John it's time for our featured interview what an interview we've got this week um Oh, it's got to be about 50 or 50 episodes since we last had Keely done on, and here she is once again. Uh, Keely, good evening. <laughs> what do you mean, good evening? It's good morning to you, my <laughs> fine Australian friend. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. I, I was wondering if this was ever going to happen, and, uh, you know, much to my surprise and, and joy, here we are. Are you really that surprised? <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not. No. I've been paying you under the table for months, so... <laughs> Keely, as good as it is to ha- have you back, it's not good to have you back because we want to talk to you about hashtag copy fight. FIH copy fight. FIH copy fight. Um, maybe, first of all, you can lead us through the, the process that has got us to the point where you're no longer able to explain rules to us. <laughs> all right. Um, well, it, it started this summer. Um, and I, I have all the details in a blog post on my website if uh, any uh, anybody out there is wanting uh, a lot more of a deeper dive into the into the facts. But I, I did get a phone call from um, or a message from Craig Gribble, who was at the time the FIH officials manager, and 
And he was asking me questions about where I was getting my material that I was using to edit and assemble the clips that I was publishing on social media at the time. And and so we, we sort of went through it a little bit. And, and I figured this was my heads up, that there was uh, a problem on the horizon. So I... I, I tried to say to him, look, I, I appreciate that there are definitely some potential issues here. So if there's anybody at the FIH who'd like to talk to me, uh, particularly from the legal team, about whether this is appropriate usage or not, I'm I'm all ears. I'd love to hear from them. So please, you know, here's you've got my number, you've got my email address, you know, let's let's do this. And he said, Oh no, 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 it's gonna be fine. And then we were about a week into the Women's World Cup, and I, I received a single takedown notice from the FIH for a Twitter post. Now, and Now, Keely, for, for our listeners that don't know your site, it is FH Umpires, and it, the correct. work that you do is analyse some of the umpiring decisions, and particularly some of the uh, more contentious or controversial umpiring, umpiring decisions that can be explained to the, the wider umpiring community. That's right. Yeah, that's the bulk of my outreach right now because um, I've been around for about 10 years and I've done a lot of things about rules analysis and talking about how to prepare for tournaments and, and good umpiring practices and promoting the awesome things that FIH umpires and domestic umpires are doing all over the world. But that's um, when I happened upon the idea of actually putting out very short clips of things that were happening because I noticed there was a lot of discussion out there, but no actual visual evidence of, of what was happening, which made these discussions extremely difficult to, to conduct and to participate in. When I started doing that, that's when things really started latching on uh, in terms of engagement and followers and, and things like that. And I realized that this was a very, a very valuable service and I got really excited about what I was able to provide in terms of a, a, a location for, for discussion and and uh, and a resource and I what I tried to do and what I try to do in all of these discussions is not to necessarily say well sometimes I do say this is how it is but I, I'm also just trying to guide people into thinking about the issues a certain way so that when they get out on the pitch they're going to have a better chance of making a good decision themselves. I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever that, that, that it's a valuable and very valid resource that's out there. That, there's nothing elsewhere in the hockey world that, that, can, that is currently providing this kind of service? I, I'm not sure. I don't think there's anybody who's doing it quite as publicly as I have been. And what I've learned since this whole FIH coffee fight erupted is that I've been contacted... Uh, privately by a number of people who run their own little private Facebook groups and pages, whether it be umpiring or coaching or even playing, and they might be sharing little snippets uh, from uh, broadcasts, and they got hit with takedown notices as well. So I think that um, there are probably a lot of people who are doing it, but just maybe ha- have just been you know, sharing within their, their smaller groups there are people who are doing, who are, are sharing video, who are doing it for other um, r- round purposes, who are very public. But in terms of actually just trying to educate, I'm I'm not really sure if there's other people out there. And I'd, if there are, I'd love to hear from them because I want to know what their perspective is and what their experience has been in the last few months. 
You've mentioned a takedown. What is a takedown? A takedown notice is a procedure that exists under the Digital Millennial Copyright Act, which is a piece of U.S. legislation. And um, as much as I hate to admit it, unfortunately, U.S. law is the governing law here. When we're talking about the big four social media platforms, and that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, because they're all American. And what they're going to do under their terms of service is bind every user to the jurisdiction that's convenient to them. And that's going to be the United States. So the DMCA is what what governs everything that's that's happening here. So a takedown notice is filed by a copyright holder when they believe their copyright has been infringed upon. And then there's a sequence of steps that follows after that. So when you talk about a copyright holder in your situation, who are we talking about and what entities are we talking about? Um, well, the primary copyright holder, obviously, is the FIH. But uh, anyone who's entered into a contractual agreement to broadcast content has been conferred a form of copyright as well. So... Uh, for example, broadcasters who have agreed to take on, say, the broadcast of the Men's World Cup uh, that just concluded in India, they are also copyright holders in that respect, but only as defined by their contracts. So if they've signed an agreement to exclusively broadcast content in the UK, for example, in their BT Sport, they are the copyright holder of that content in that geographical region. Okay, so in, res- in respect of the specific takedowns that you've received on the clips that have got up on, gone onto social media, where have they come from? Have they come from individual broadcast rights holders around the world or anybody in specifically or just from the FIH? The, the set that I got or the, 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 the several takedowns that I received during the Women's World Cup earlier in July and August this year um, most of them actually came from broadcasters. So BT Sports, Sky New Zealand, and I now forget who the uh, South African broadcast right holder was. But um, I received takedowns from, from those three entities and one from the FIH. This latest round, this 147 uh, takedown notices that preceded and overlapped with the Men's World Cup, they have all come from the FIH. Is there anything, like, there's 147 break in snook is the maximum. Is there some kind of irony there? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how the snook works. I don't know, but but let me tell you, when I woke up on that Monday morning and I had 140 emails in my inbox with 81 Instagram and 59 Facebook takedown notices, it it was a really jarring way to wake up in the morning. Okay, Keely, this is a Strictly about visual rights, isn't it? Yes, I've, this is strictly about the video content that I am I am pulling off and editing and reshaping and then adding my commentary to and putting out on social media. Okay, and as a percentage of a game, how much would one of your clips be? <laughs> You're asking me to do math. Um, <laughs> Morning. Well, you've you got to know five metres, surely. <laughs> five yards, That's, isn't it? that's oh. the only math I can do. <laughs> no, uh, seriously, though, I mean, 
how much of even a game that you you scrutinise heavily, how much of that as a percentage would you use? Of well, for an individual clip, uh, the clips generally are under one minute because that's the limit that, uh, well, not only, but that conveniently is, is how the maximum that a video on Instagram can be. Twitter has a Twitter can go on much longer, but I find that generally what I can do to explain an incident, I can edit down right to a minute or shorter. And also, I know that people's attention span is probably about that long too. So that's uh, that's where I stick it to. So anybody's welcome to do the math, and if you can do the whole four quarters and stoppages and intermissions, then. And of course the pregame and postgame, which is included in a broadcast. Uh, I'm sure a smart person out there can let me know. Just but out of interest, have you ever seen the FIH use any of the umpiring clips that you use to promote their game um, in highlights packages? No, I, I have not uh, at all. But what I do know is that there are a lot of FIH umpires and umpire managers out there who do take my clips and then use them. Uh, to help uh, in briefings and in their private groups when they're preparing for tournaments, which I am completely behind. Obviously, this is one of the reasons that I'm, I'm putting things publicly on social media. Um, but I, I know it's being used as a resource because the access that even our top people have to video material is drastically limited. Yeah. At least that's what I've been told. Now, we've obviously got to quite an extreme stage with the 147 takedowns, um, and we, we want to give a, a, a balanced argument with things, and, and I'll be honest, I, I was speaking to someone the other day, and they said that the FIH had been in touch with you numerous times uh, before that first takedown in the Women's World Cup. Uh, what do you say to that? It's just absolutely false. There had been no reach-out. Aside from my conversation with Craig Gribble, who wasn't even, I mean, clearly that was not his role. He wasn't acting as a representative of the legal department of the media rights department at the FIH. He was just reaching out as, uh, as, as the officials manager and liaisoning with, with a fellow, you know, FIH umpire community member. That was the only conversation that I had with anyone. I had zero emails zero reach outs until I started receiving those takedown notices. And when I sent an email to the person at the media rights department who had to put his name and his email address on every single one of those takedown notices because it's required by law, I emailed him and I received nothing back. I gave him a week. And when I didn't hear anything back, that's when I went public on social media. And that's when I got a phone call. And I have had one phone call, and I've, as of yesterday, one email reply. Oh, so they're right on top of it then, Keely. They're right on top of something, but it certainly isn't communicating with me. Okay, this is a point that uh, you'll be asked about undoubtedly, because the basis of all this is commercial gain, and that, um, you know, out of this somehow you're making commercial gain... Two questions, similarly linked. Um, you know, how much do you think the commercial broadcasters that have the rights of this are losing in um, revenue because of what you're doing? 
And, um, you know, <laughs> how, how much of their programming's content are you stealing? <laughs> Uh, thanks for that that loaded uh, use of the word stealing there, John. That, that's very leading. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, I, I think it's really important to to look at what kind of clips I'm putting out there. Now, sometimes I'm putting out things like when an umpire is moving into a certain position, when the ball is moving across the pitch and then into the circle, or perhaps a minor free hit was given in the middle of the field, how did the umpire communicate with the player as to where they wanted the ball positioned on the free hit? These are, by and large, not highlight... These are not the celebratory moments (laughs) that are, are going on here. And yes, of course, sometimes they are goals, but only when they're contentious goals. Those super glamorous amazing reverse tomos and it's just ah, cheers and all that kind of stuff those are boring to me i am i have zero interest in that stuff well okay not zero, unless, you were, I, unless you're scoring it well of course and we all know that's not happening so what i'm putting out clips that you won't find anywhere else specifically because those are the small details that have a massive impact on umpiring performance. And that's what we're interested in. That's what we need to access and discuss and analyze and share amongst the umpiring community. So if somebody is going to follow my social media accounts so that they can be entertained by a hockey match, they're crazy. (laughs) I am not putting out very entertaining footage. It's fascinating. It's very important for umpires and for the people who are interested in umpiring issues. But boy, like, like that would be a very sad testament if the rest of the game wasn't more interesting than the stuff that I'm putting out. No, so sorry, what was the other question again? I'm going to, I'm going to come with an even harder question this time, Keely. The, um, we've been hit, uh, on social media by a lot of debate around this and, uh, some particularly interesting points coming out of FIH employees. Um, around the the moral standing of uh, using the clips as opposed to the pure legal standing behind it and uh, the suggestion that if you want to use these things you need to come and speak to us about the commercial opportunities to do so. Uh, so firstly, talk me through where you stand on the moralistic side of things but then also about your business and how uh, what what you do with your business and how this does or doesn't affect uh, revenue for you as a business? Sure. When it comes to the moral side of the argument, I I think I've made it really clear in my posts and when I was having my one phone conversation with a staffer at the FIH, I I was very clear that I mean obviously if this hurts the game, it hurts me. It hurts the entire hockey family. And I believe that by sharing small, uh, repurposed segments of matches, I'm not destroying or interfering with the commercial value of this product. I'm promoting it. And I'm trying to encourage people all the time to go watch the games. If you've been following my social media accounts for the last 10 years, you'll know that I put out appointment sheets every day for every senior or under-21 international tournament that's out there. And whenever there is a broadcast, 
I link to it. Whenever it's on YouTube, I link to it every single time because I want people to go watch it because the more inter- the more they watch the games, the more they're going to be interested in what's happening with the umpiring and then vice versa. And then I start talking about little pieces and I'm like, wow, I need to go see how this umpire handles this over the whole course of the game. And boy, I want to see how, you know, this person is, is, is handling obstructions and this and aerials and management and all this kind of stuff. That's what I want. That's why I put those sheets out there. So I think it's really important to, to take into account that this is, this is going to help. This is, this is pushing. This is driving social engagement. This is getting mentions and this is what pushes all of these, uh, these events up in the, in the algorithms on the social media platforms. If there's no activity, if there's no videos, if there's no discussion, it's like it's not happening. And well, I think we've seen from a lot of the viewership numbers that that kind of <laughs> is the case in a lot of this. Yeah. Now on, on to the second point about my, my business model. Like I said, I've been doing this for a really long time and often questioning what the hell could I possibly do with this that might be a, 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 a sustaining revenue model. I mean, I gave huh. 15 years of my life to, to umpiring, uh, an actual international umpiring, and I gave up my legal career, my <laughs> legal technology career, all these things so I could travel and be where I needed to be in order to improve. And I figure after all that and the expertise that I've built up, I should be able to build a livelihood out of this. So when I started realizing how much value I was able to provide to the hockey community with this, these clips and discussion and this analysis, I thought maybe I could start building a resource on my own website where I could provide this forum for discussion. But Can't- that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I haven't started uh, even, even you know, I, I don't have all those things in place because it takes a while to get the technology in place. I've been trying to build my my um, thought leadership and my expertise and, and all that sort of thing and really keep reaching out and seeing, is this viable? Is this what people want? And when I realized it was, I started putting those mechanisms in place. But I haven't even gotten there. I don't make any money from the analysis that I'm doing right now. So 147 takedowns, that takes a lot of time, a lot of effort to (laughs) respond to all of those. So you've done all of that. You're awaiting some responses, I believe. Yeah, so it's really interesting. And and I go into this in more detail on the um, episode two of the the copy fight on my blog. But the what's really insidious about what's happening with some of these takedowns, the ones that have gone through on Facebook and Instagram, the FIH is somehow that the media rights people have managed to skip the DMCA on this and simply filed objections via their process on grounds of copyright that I do not have a right of appeal on. And it took me a few days to figure this out. And this was actually where the bulk of my time went um, after I received the takedown notices because I couldn't figure out why can't I, why can't I file an appeal like I did back in August? Because back in August, all I had to do was click on a link and I was presented with a web form and I was able to fill it all out. 
and explain my reasoning. This is why this is fair use and, and this is, you know, why I believe I fit into this, this standard. And that wasn't available to me for 140 of these takedowns and I couldn't figure it out. And then when I started looking on uh, the EFF site and started reading about this, this, um, this procedure now that is being abused by copyright holders, governmental regimes, political figures all over the world where they can just have content taken down and there's nothing you can do about it. I was just, I was flabbergasted. And the only recourse I have with all of those notices is to go back to the copyright holder, to go back to the FH and say, hey, uh, are you sure? Can you just kind of put all that stuff back up? Which, of course, they're going to refuse at this point because with respect to those things, I have no leverage. When it comes to the Twitter uh, takedowns, I do have a process. I am, there is a fair um there is a due process in place under the DMCA, and that's what we're following right now. So take us through next steps for you from this point on, and look, quite honestly, you know, what what resolve do you want to get out of it? Well, what's happened at the moment is that there's three Twitter takedown notices that I have successfully filed my counter notifications. They've been passed on to the FIH, and on the 21st, which I believe is Friday, that is the deadline for the FIH to file a lawsuit in Northern California in federal court to press their copyright claim against me. So when this happened back in August, the FIH filed their Twitter takedown notice 10 days past under which they had to file a lawsuit. They didn't do so. My content goes back up. So if that happens again, here, those three videos will go back up. There's another three videos that were taken down more recently that I'm waiting to get confirmation from Twitter that the counter notifications have been accepted. And it takes them two to three weeks to process all this because they get a lot of volume of stuff. And so in the meantime, this process unfolds and I'm waiting for weeks and weeks for this material to go back up. And then another 10 days to see if the FIH is going to sue me. In the meantime, I did go back to the FIH because after my phone conversation with a still-to-be-kept-private um, FIH staffer, I I was invited to, to present them with a proposal, which I did. I sent them an email last week, and I said, hey, this is what I'm. This is what I think solves our problems, and I received a response to it yesterday, which completely did not even address my proposal whatsoever. They just ignored it and said, "Well, this is what we feel. Uh, we think this is what our position is, and if uh, we have to go to the litigation route, we're going to." And that, and 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 so that's that's where we're sitting right now. Because uh, world hockey's got a lot of money to be spending in courts, doesn't it? Well, I was told that they don't, and it's not like I'm flush with cash either. But you know what? I'm ready for this. And <laughs> I was begging them, begging them to go to their lawyers and talk to them because their their position, it's not rational, it's not based in law, it makes no sense. I'm like, please, would you just talk to your legal team, Okay and then come back to me because then we can start working on solutions. But if we don't even have a, a common ground on which to, 
to start talking that there's no point. And they still haven't done that. And so they're threatening me with, well, we're going to have to bring in our legal advisors. And I'm saying, yes, please. Would you just talk to them? <laughs> and they're saying, well, if we have to go to the litigation route, you know, we don't want to have to sue you, but we will. And I'm like, yes, yeah, come soon. Come at me, bro, because yeah. I know that I've got a very solid case. I've talked to my U.S. counsel, who is now going to be formally retained, and I'm going to start using them going forward to correspond with the FH because this is clearly where we're going to have to go, and I'm ready. <sighs> what what I find most disappointing, Keely, is it's not something they're doing. You know, the, the, what you're providing, the service you're providing to the hockey community is not being replicated anywhere else. You are the only one, at least publicly, as you say, maybe in a few private Facebook posts or whatever, but it, it's actually doing the game a service. And I, I, you should, I mentioned in the podcast recently, you should be paid, they should employ you. They should give you a check every month to be doing what you're doing. Because they're not doing it, and they seem to show no interest in standing behind their umpires and doing something about it either. Yeah, spoiler alert, that might have been part of my proposal coming out of it, not specifically employment, but them taking advantage and me freely giving them access to my resources. And they're not interested in it. The whole reason I started FH Umpires years ago was because I felt isolated. Here I am in Canada... There's nobody around. I've got no mentors, no support. And I'm going out on the world stage to these tournaments and realizing, holy crap, I, I am ignorant. I know nothing. And there's all these people from, you know, England and, and the Netherlands and Australia and South Africa. And they've got these amazing support groups and people cheering for them and, and making them better. And I'm like, wow, I, I wish I had that too. And, and then I realized there's lots of other people around the world that don't have access to that kind of support and and education and resources. I want to be able to do that for all of those people that don't have access to the big markets. And 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 it, and it really it's 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 an emotional thing for me because I know what a difference I've been able to make for some people, and I want to be able to keep doing that. And this is what drives me. This is where my passion is. And I, I'm, I'm just going to have to double down on this. It's that important to me. Keely, we are 100% behind you and the FH umpires cause with the hashtag FIH copy fight. Where can people stay up to date with what's happening? Well, they can't find me on Twitter right now because my Twitter account is still suspended. But uh, they could follow me on my personal account at Keely Dunn. But otherwise, my Facebook page, my Instagram account uh, are still up live and running. That's still at FH Empires and, of course, at FHEmpires.com. That's where you can get hold of all the latest on the hashtag FIH copy fight. Ladies and gentlemen, Katie, thank you so much for joining us once again. Pity it wasn't in happier times. No, that's fine. And, you know, guys, having your support and hearing all the support from people around the world, both publicly and privately, has just been incredible for me. So my really the gratitude is flowing from me. I'm I'm just amazed and, and just thank you very much for all the work you're doing on this. We're with you, sister. Keep going, Kelly. 
Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. That was Keely Dunn from FH Umpires. Joining us once again on the show. It's been happier times before, John. Slightly upsetting for the hockey family that we've got to go through this hashtag FIH copy fight. But of course, you can follow Keely and oh, where this all leads, I'm sure, over the next few weeks. Yeah. We'll keep um, our eyes on it, and we're 100% behind. Keely and uh, the usage in that respect. We do see a lot of footage elsewhere online, don't we, John? On Instagram, oh, on Reddit, on all the, the 900 different channels that Andy Orham spoke about that hockey was being consumed back at the conference in uh, in Delhi. Um, None of which is done being done necessarily for the benefit of the hockey community. No. In the but, same way that well, no, Inst- Instagram, there's a lot of those guys out there are looking to build up their numbers to 10,000 so they can then sell stuff on the pages. It's, you know, it's yeah, a, a quick, a quick win for earning some money out of it. And yeah, I think we should shut that stuff down. It's, um, it's uh, a totally different argument to what's going on with the umpire education. Education being the key word there, John. It's not just the umpires, stuff. players as well. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, everybody yeah. education. Yeah. I, I agree. I totally agree. I'm, I learn a lot from it. I forget most of it, but I learn a lot from it. <laughs> well, let's move on, shall we? Let's get to some other stuff that's going on around the hockey world. Now, I believe that you have a very important update for listeners. Well, we gave some of our thank yous um, earlier on from the World Cup uh, family and all of that sort of thing. Now, one of the great things that came out of the World Cup was the scored Fancy League. Now, we did one a year ago. <sighs> And it was bloody hard work, John, wasn't it? Um, and we got we got some great prizes for people around the world. It was and, good fun. And it was fantastic to be involved with uh, HockeyMan.net and Xavier Pions. Um, but Scored have taken it up to the next level and it's integrated within their fantastic uh, uh, hockey social site. And, uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed being involved in it, particularly because I didn't have to arrange anything with it, John. Now, we set up our own little reverse stick mini-league uh, those that listen to the World Cup daily, uh, we gave you some updates at the top five and the bottom two and things like that as we went along. Uh, late in the game, we had a couple of infiltrators to the league that joined with one or two games to go. Uh, so we're discounting those people from our final figures with the Reverse Stick Mini League. Uh, so, in at number one, actually number three, but we'll go from number one, Ramiz Raja, uh, with Team Ramiz Raja. He is our winner of the competition, Ramiz Raja. All you've got to do is send an email to me, matt at thereversestick.net. You could even send one to John, john at thereversestick.net, to claim your prize within the next seven days after you've heard this podcast, and we'll get that out in the post to you. What was his final score there? 283.5 points. So minus was... the 15%? Oh, yeah, it could be minus 15%, actually. Ah. Uh, I, I could be the winner now, John. You could. Um, <laughs> he's in top spot. Do you know one that the competition overall? What? Only a certain man called De Kerpel who just won a bloody World Cup gold medal the day before. Really? The <laughs> yeah. De yeah, and uh, what does he win? A two-year Griffin sponsorship. Oh, yeah. What yes. stick does he play with? A bloody Griffin stick. Come on, there's got to be some sort of some Stitch kind up. of fix going Stitch on. Up. Fix, fix. In second place with one of his many teams, Mr. Jade Bloomfield with option A. That's Jade from Hockey World News. Third spot, uh, I'd say this is probably joint third spot because both of these teams are on 257.5 points, John. We've got 
Courtney Doherty with Doherty's Army, were top for a long while and early early on in the piece. And uh, TRS Development Squad. Where'd they come? Some bloke called by Alan. Joint third in our league. Joint third. Joint third. Are you cutting out all these latecomers? No, the first two are out. So you could say I was joint fifth. But, but, but no, you no, no, I'm not. I'm third. third. Yeah. Okay. Fourth, Rob Abbott. Don't mention Rob Abbott. We've had enough of mentioning Rob right. Abbott. So, spoken too too much about Rob Abbott over the course of the, uh, the World Cup daily. Uh, another Rob in the next position there, John. Rob Barrand, Baggy, Baggy's Behemoth. They rose up from somewhere near the bottom of the table. They they were at the top early on. They rose, then they went down. They jumped back up again. So well done to Baggy from uh, Rotten Row Hockey Club. Hashtag TRS World 11. Scott Ferguson, Team Challengers. Well done. At Boris is ranting on Twitter if you want to follow Scott. Nick Davey, for fuck's sake, in a, uh, what do we call that? Seventh or eighth position. Uh, do we go through everyone, John? Or let's just I find, come? let's, well, let's just find out where you were. Uh, 12, uh, 11th in the official table on 218 points. Well, that's not bad. Tied, tied, mate, with, Oriol Perimical, Atletico Antwerpen. Now, Oriol, of course, is uh, one of the men behind Scored.com. Are you on Scored.com, John? Yeah, I am. I was in the fantasy That's good. <laughs> Got to get a profile sorted out on there. Um, and we had a little side bet. Uh, you and Oriol. Um, Oriol. Oriol, yeah. And... Um, so, interesting to see what you're wearing at training next time around, mate. Uh, Cookie United, Dan Brennan in 13th position there. Marco in Grifter in uh, 16th, 15th. Rotten Row Hockey Club, bring back the bully in 16th position. Well done. Should we go all the way down to... You the... only beat me because you cheated. You told me the wrong rules. I can't see Stephen Finlater from the hook anywhere on here. I don't know where he's gone. Uh, in 30th spot, Tyron Bernard, Hockey 24-7. Very bottom of the table. Tip for well, sticks. Oh, he's been watching all that indoor that's been Luke going. Luke Russell. Uh, and shout out in 28th spot. HC Tanzanians, Martin Lee. Well done, Tanzi. Uh, yeah, the hook must have dropped out of the league because I can't find out where they are at all. Um, yeah, indoor hockey. The uh, All-Stars International Games have been happening in South Africa at the yeah. moment. So. And a lot of, a lot of hockey about to, indoor hockey about to kick off with... Um, with the European indoor hockey schedule. Big thanks to Scored anyway there for putting that together and look, if you're a hockey lover, a hockey fan, you play hockey, join the scored.com site and uh, communicate with Hockey World. You are listening to the Reverse Stick. It's the Global Hockey Podcast. It's not the World Cup Daily, John. It's not that the World Cup Daily. I nearly let that one slip. Now, this will be the last show we do before Christmas. It will. It's our Christmas edition, so it might go a little bit longer than normal. It's the actual... It, is that your jingle keys? Yeah, sleigh bells, mate. Oh, yeah, right. Don't, okay. don't, don't give it away. Santa's in a Toyota, is he? <laughs> Folio. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, Folio, sorry. Um, so, we might go that 15% extra long in this particular we? uh, episode. We're probably going to go a bit long. Okay. Um, but you can spread it out. You can listen to it over two or three weeks. Just listen to an hour at a time, and it should cover about two months. An hour a week. Um, let's get to a couple we'll, of the we'll issues see, that have come we'll, up in the last we'll few days. We'll see you for the Pro League Daily. Uh, Pro League Daily, yeah, right. Um, the non-sponsored Pro League Daily. All right, lots been, go- get, lots been going on. Lots of announcements coming out of left, right, Vanessa. Just uh, in time for the Christmas break, it yeah. is, folks. Supplementary to the Hockey World Cup. 
Uh, so where do we start? Well, we've got some rule changes, John. Should we well, go go with some rule changes to start with? These yeah, are the new ones to be uh, let's go through implemented the rule from the January the first. Obviously, it's down to your your own internet, uh, your own national association as to when they come into effect. Uh, now, give, us, give us some of the key points. There, there are five rule changes mooted by the um, the FIH. Let's just give mooted. Them a I think they're locked in, mate. But twenty first of December is when. Everything is finalised, and we hear we, well, we see the the new rule book in our hands. They're, they're to come into force on January one. These are the five rule changes in dot form: introduction of the match format of four quarters, removal of goalkeeping privileges for substitute field player, defending free hits within five metres of the circle, free hits awarded inside the defensive circle, and completion of a penalty corner. Now the last three. The defending free hits, the free hits awarded inside the defensive circle and completion of penalty corner are pretty much tweaks of existing rules. The sort of thing that we see every now and then from the FIH two years or whatever it is. Um, And uh, usually with these sort of rules, what happens is that uh, they try them out and within a very short space of time decide whether that tweak works or not and you see the end of them. Well, they often phrase it as, as a mandatory uh, rule or uh, experimental rule, yeah, don't they? And as we saw with well, probably um, own goals is a great example. Yeah, I mean, that, tried that for is. a year, didn't work out. Feedback came in, we yeah. didn't like it. Okay, now the first two rules are a bit more to do with the um, ingrown culture and of the game. The removal of goalkeeping privileges for substitute field player, i.e., that's your kicking fullback. Um, no more kicking back. Well, no more will they be allowed to use their feet in the D. So that's the only. Essentially, that's the rule change. Um, and the. So if you pro- don't have the, a goalkeeper, but, but, but the provisional need of a helmet, a goalkeeping helmet, also isn't required. Yeah. And so it comes down to personal. Uh, player equipment or yeah. to, uh, so the the bloke standing in the middle of the goals on a short corner will no longer have to wear a helmet no and he they can't can choose to ball. wear a face mask they can they can yeah because there's, there's nothing like a face mask as opposed to a helmet when you're standing there and blokes are teeing off like Mark Leghorn in the recent World Cup and he fired one straight at the New Zealand defender with nothing in line for the game, nothing to be gained from it. But if it hits your foot now, it's a stroke as opposed to it being a legal affair. See, that's all very well and good when you're talking about international hockey and, and coaches dragging goalkeepers when they've got two fit firing young fit men on the fit, on the bench in goalkeeping equipment and they choose to play a kicking fullback but it does not translate to just about the rest of the hockey world when sometimes playing a kicking fullback is an absolute necessity because you've got no other choice yeah, the goalkeeper just broke down on the way there um, you, you, you know, just got, don't he doesn't turn up you just don't have you've got seven players and suddenly you can't even ask a bloke to stop the ball with his feet and believe me, I've been in games with seven players against 11 or 14 or however many the opposition may have, and it ain't a pretty day with a goalkeeper, let alone when you take away but the that's not, that's not the, the norm. Ball. That's not the norm. Though, it's not it? the norm, but neither is what they're talking... Why, they've cha- why, why have they changed this rule? Is it in the name of safety? Clearly not, because they're taking the helmet off a player and who's still going to be standing in the same prone position <laughs> he would have been so if he did have the helmet on. So I, I don't understand why the change has been The safety call is always an interesting one, isn't it? And we, we'll talk more about Hockey Fives in a minute, but we look at the format like Hockey Fives where you've been encouraged to score from anywhere, um, where safety 
seems to be not not on the agenda whatsoever. Excitement is is on the agenda. Safety is not on the agenda. Give the, this is one of the justifications for this rule on this official FIH release. Um, it is hoped that this experimental rule will enhance safety, as field players will no longer have goalkeeping privileges, so will not be entitled to use their body to stop shots at goal, and it also enhances the promotion of the sport by eliminating the issue of outfield players wearing other shirts to indicate goalkeeping privileges. Because oh, that's, that's been a real How trouble. does that make sense? It's been a real trouble with uh, other players wearing a different coloured shirt. Oh, it? terrible trouble. Because huh? don't the goalkeepers have to wear different coloured shirts? By definition, they have well, to. They're not allowed to wear a same no, coloured shirt to, to the players. Anyway, so they're, they're not going to have. You're not going to have a goalkeeper with a yellow shirt playing against a team in a yellow shirt, are you? And as as we pointed out, it does not enhance enhance safety unless you you're hoping that teams are not going to stand a middle a bloke in the middle of a goal on short corners. Well, what are you going to do though, right, John? Okay, a bloke's about to ping a ball at goal. It's you in between the goal and him. Do you put your stick on it or you go, oh, I'll just pop my foot in the way of that one? <laughs> uh, we play hockey, guys. We're not rugby players. Come on. And look, it, it's a game involving missiles and projectiles. That's it. Projectile <laughs> missile launchers. Yeah, you're going to get injuries. It's, you know, people don't go skydiving because they can jump from 10,000 feet and land safely. If we could do that, there'd be no reason to go skydiving. Yeah, it's just... Just insane. Anyway, the one that really got me was the introduction of a match format of four quarters as standard. Why? Why? Um, because it's better for turf booking schedules, mate. Oh God! Really? Um, is, that, is that your best? Well, word? I don't know. Jeez. No, because it's being done at the top. Um, it's been proven to be successful at the top. What proved it to be Co- successful? Co- coaches love it. Don't worry TV about coaches. TV executives love it, even though we're still not getting those Okay, ad- here we go. Hockey is for players. It is not for coaches, nor umpires, nor administrators, nor broadcasters, or even fans. It is a game for people to play. It is for the players. Well, this is my concern with some of it, is that um, we are setting the standard at the very top end of the pyramid where we have this broad, broad base at the bottom and if we didn't have this broad base at the bottom we'd have nothing at the top end because this, this is where it's all come from international hockey, state representative hockey, county whatever it might, might well be is born out of club land it's born out of clubs that yeah they've got an A grade team a, a first 11 team but there's generally two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten, eleven, twelve sides down below that support everything that happens within that club. So you can make a decision on what happens at the very top level of that club. But that club is own that that one team is is only five percent, ten percent, maybe twenty percent at best of the 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 full amount of playing hockey members within that team. I don't. It, know. it, 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 it affects. Everybody all the way down. Why are we making it shorter? Why does the game need to be shorter? Well, we're told and it needs to be... why do we need quarter-time breaks? I, there's, there's no logical argument for it. We've been through this whole thing about international hockey having quarter-time breaks and blah, blah, blah. Why did we take some of the fittest athletes in the world and ask them to play ten minutes shorter? Did it make the game more exciting? No, I don't think it did. They've already got unlimited rotations... Like, it wasn't a fatigue thing. But even in Spain, they're taken to the four quarters, but they play 17 and a half minute quarters. Um, what, we're, what, what we're being asked of now is to take the game to 15 minute quarters, but umpires to stop the clock on short corners. 
So that right. doesn't just mean umpires, that also means people that are sitting on a tech bench. Generally spotty 15 year old kids that are more interested in playing on their iPhone than looking at what's actually happening on the field. That's my experience where we are at the moment. So you're actually looking for more engagement out of these people, which is going to mean actually paying more money to be able to do it. Um, I think it's going to reduce game time, it's going to increase costs, and uh, club players are going to get, as you say, 15% less time on the field. It is, so I hope my fees go down 15%. Well, of course they won't, John. Well, they should. Mate, Why shouldn't they? Well, because I'm vice president of your club, and I'm telling you, that's what we're paying, because we've got a new turf going down, John. But I'm got, using it for 15% less time. You were, you were, so you were using it anyway, John. No, but that's not the point. Um, well, I'm using it for 15% less time, so yeah, all turf a, fees will a, have to go down. It's an absolutely valid, valid you argument, isn't it? And I'm paying my umpires 15% less. Um yeah, it's yeah, we don't all have the benefit of ball boys, do we? You know, no. you're playing on a one of the beauties of playing on a grass paddock. Sometimes Just whack when, it <laughs> <laughs> you're under the pump, exactly. you're under the pump, whack it Bang. out, give yourself thirty yeah, seconds breather. Nice lake over there, mate. Go all part you. of the game. Oh, um, yeah. We don't we don't have enclosed stadiums everywhere we play. We don't all play. And by the on way, turf. if you are a coach, apologies to Andrew Wilson. And you think you need two minutes in the middle of thirty-five minutes because your players aren't bloody smart enough to cope with being told things on a on a rotation, unlimited rotation basis. Give well, it up. The argument equally with that is for junior hockey, so coaches can be more involved and do but they can do that now. The coaches can walk out on the ground. Yeah. yeah. So let's not that's the furphy. That's a biggest furphy of the lot. Yeah. And then there's a little bit about oh well uh, often at juniors umpires uh, coaches have to umpire. Yeah, that's been going on for a long while. But, yeah. you know, the other thing that you guys do is throw 15-year-olds out there to umpire 13-year-olds. So they're not doing that at all. Most of the junior coaches are not having to umpire because they've got... No, it's, a ra- it's a rarity. Yeah, and that's just not true. Um, might be in some countries, but certainly not in this one. And well, I dare say not in a lot of other countries either. I think, you know, with with the new rules, particularly with things like the timings of the games, so that's going to be down to interpretation from individual national associations and state associations. So if you, if you don't like it, you, you want to stay with 35 minutes, boys and girls, then let your, let your local associations know. I know, know. I know they will lose people over this. Absolutely guarantee you they're going to lose players over this. But I will we gain more than we lose, John? This no, we won't. How are we going to do that? Well, are they going to run around, turn around and play hockey fives, are they? In fact, that's just something else. Well, some, something somebody, somebody brought up is, is that somebody leaves the game for three years, you know, and it's always kind of happened, but <laughs> they leave the game for three years and come back and go, what's this game? Hang on. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what this is. <laughs> Okay, we've got to get going. So let's get rid of goalkeepers, uh, make uh, goals a bit more like a basketball net. Um, We'll play five on five. Throw overheads. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. We're we're going to do that. Well, that's going to be a separate... Yeah, we can do fives with that. That can be our court game. No, no, we're talking fives now. We're going to save that for the new year. All right, let's talk fives now then. Uh, So, yeah, hockey... uh, FIH have been very keen to talk up Hockey Fives in the three or four press conferences that have happened at the Hockey World Cup and just after the Hockey World Cup. Um, very keen to stress that it's not any threat whatsoever to the 11-a-side game, particularly at the Olympics. Uh, I call Bultish. Do you? Yeah. You know what? All This whole entire palaver could have been avoided. 
by changing two words. What would those two words those, be? Huh? Those two words would be outdoor and indoor. If you change outdoor to 11 aside and change indoor to 6 aside, yeah. all your problems are solved. But what about so? What about your sixes? Though, what, what are you saying? So well, then we have outdoor sixes. Sorry, we no. Have, there's there's six aside, and there's eleven aside. But is it just indoor for six aside, or can you play no. six? You can play that outside as well. You can play it anywhere. Yeah. Well, you, you can play in. You can play eleven aside hockey indoor, can't you? Well, well, you could do with a big enough court. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, at. yeah, in the big enough space. The, the distinction yeah, yeah, yeah. between outdoor and indoor is a purely semantic one, really. And, and they could have, they could have had everything they dreamed for and, and more by just going 11s and 6s. Well, the Instead of indoor and outdoor. The experiment happened. Know. The experiment happened taking indoor from 6s to 5. Somebody somewhere at the FIH has got a bit of a fascination with 5 over 6. It didn't I'm work. not sure it's the FIH that has a fascination with 5s, Matt. I think it might be IOC that has a fascination with 5s. Could well be because they've seen it in, in action. And, uh, no, they suggested it. Yeah, there's, there's a reality there, John. What's, what do we reckon? About 50% of the FIH funding Just under. Is, 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 is Olympic uh, received. And uh, you know, we've got guys that have worked for the FIH, then they've worked for the IOC, then they've worked for the FIH again. They're there, there now. Um, that based would've, in they would, they both organisations based in Lausanne. They, they, they I don't know why hockey would be based in such a hotbed of hockey activity as Lausanne. No, Swiss are on the app. Yeah, yeah. Swiss are on the app. Um, that, uh, there's links there. People have seen the future and they're very firm on what the future will be. Future sports. Yeah, but the, the future sports, future hockey, all that sort of stuff. Um, and across the board, there's a view from the FIH that a short format of the game is needed, which obviously doesn't align with the short, the short form that we had before. No, six aside. No, we we went, we tried fives with indoor and went back to sixes with indoor because it just didn't work because it's a bit boring. But at least with that, we had some D's in in the game, mate, and I think that's very important. It's a fundamental with our game is that shooting circle, and like we've mentioned before. The, that danger element with the shoot from anywhere and there's the boredom element with the shoot from anywhere um, you know if you under the pitch regulations for playing hockey fives the 31 if, pages of that's right you've got them all there oh I've got so, them all yeah there's get, 31 pages of yeah, get the grassroots pitch regulations but there's no restriction on having to have the boards around the side if you don't have the boards just play it like outdoor hockey it's, it's fine um FIH reckon 59% of hockey playing countries have taken up uh, hockey fives as a format. We posted on social media last week that uh, a association in New Zealand have just laid the very first purpose-built hockey fives field in New Zealand, in Oceania, Southern oh, Hemisphere, I, I believe. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is hockey fives one way and then three futsal pitches across ways. Now. I don't know whether... Futsal love playing outside. <laughs> it doesn't happen much, does it? Certainly not in New Zealand. <laughs> All right. um, two winters, mate, that club's gone. Uh, two winters. So I wouldn't mind betting there was a multi-sport use facility clause within the grant from local government and uh, to make that happen there. So they may be squeezed in an extra bit of hockey field than they might not have had there before. Uh, but it's interesting to hear that clubs 
associations are putting in purpose-built hockey fives fields. Do they know something that we don't know? Obviously like, they do. At our club at the moment, John, are going through a process. We're, we're building club rooms in a turf. Um, should we have been told by FIH that you should consider chucking in a, a hockey fives pitch alongside? Is it something that's viable for people constructing new facilities, or is it a white elephant? One of the, one of the prime drivers we're told by the FIH for this Hockey Fives movement is accessibility because apparently six players in a side is too many. Yeah. So five, that's... And this is a quote from John White, um, the FIH Sport and Development Director. And it's from uh, just prior to the um, Hockey Fives at the Buenos Aires um, Youth Olympics. And it it comes from the uh, Olympic.org website, this quote. The message is that you don't need to find 22 people on a full-size pitch to play. One of the great strengths of football is you only really need a ball and some friends and you're away. And the FIH wants to replicate that accessibility. Well, nothing says accessibility for people that don't have a lot of equipment, like making it mandatory to have a goalkeeper in the game. (laughs) Um, Just... Oh, okay, so you want it to be accessible to kids and they'd just be able to pick up a stick and a ball, but they've got to have a goalkeeper dressed out in an expensive goalkeeping kit. Okay, get that. Let's face it, the only reason that a goalkeeper is mandatory in Hockey Fives is if you took the goalkeeper out and made it score from anywhere, it would be the biggest ball fest mm. on the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, it would just be ball hitting back in that ball. Blokes would be tearing off from left, right and centre and it would be atrocious. So they've had... They've realised that, and they've decided that you have to make a goalkeeper mandatory. We know that shootouts are very exciting, John. They are. Who, 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 who delivers 50%, uh, 49% of the excitement that? flies in that. away from the whole idea of accessibility, and they're totally missing the point. Mate, you don't need to go... You can play hockey anywhere at any time you like, under the sort of what they're saying, they're, oh, kids just pick up a ball. You can play hockey at 2am on a beer-soaked bar with rolled-up coasters and a bottle top, if you really want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mate, you can do it on roller skates uh, yeah. with a ball. You, you can, can do, do it, it underwater. You can do it underwater. You can, you can uh, do it on ice. Oh, that's, 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 that's an idea. You can, you can do it with a little plastic stick and a little plastic ball in a sports hall. My brother and I used to go up to the local primary school with a couple of friends, and they had grass netball courts. And we used to play little mini hockey games on the grass netball courts with the D and run around on them. Kids, if they want to play hockey, can find something to hit a round object with. They do it outside our club, away from the grass fields, as it is now, on a little bit of astroturf that's right outside the door, and three of them will go up and down and play, you know, two on one, one on two, backwards and forwards with it. Uh, but that's that's all well and good. That's not talking about no. the top end of our game. And well, we talk for the fact that and with all due respect to Vanuatu, that they can win a Hockey Fives competition and then advance to a Hockey Elevens uh, Hockey Series uh, next stage, just, just doesn't fit, does it? No. Just doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fit right. And look, the, another part of quoting from John White in the same article, lots of sports now have shortened versions, rugby sevens, Futsal, T20 cricket, and recently golf sixes. Well, that's really taken off. And we're lucky that we have the Youth Olympic Games to further experiment with the format and see what works and what might need further fine-tuning. Now, they have shortened versions of rugby sevens, futsal, T20 cricket, and golf sixes. Now, the extended, the long-form versions of those games all play their payers 
in multi-millions of dollars. <laughs> oh, look, even the worst, played inter- worst paid international rugby players, uh, $100,000 plus. Oh, oh they, they uh, wouldn't, yeah, you know. easy. Um, uh, and that's the top end for where we're at with hockey players. So yeah. you've got to be careful with what, where you draw these lines between different sports. You know, one of the strengths of football is you really only need a ball, and the fact that they haven't stuffed around with their rules continuously year after year after year. Yeah, yeah. That's another strength of football as well. Um, it seems like we've got this never-ending quest to make the perfect game, and we have to be responsive to the times and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, rolling the ball in. That doesn't fit, you know. That was stupid. That's that, that's that was part of the game at that time. Uh, stopping the ball with your hand when it went up in the air. Okay, stick advancement and ball awareness and fitness and all that sort of stuff has changed that a little bit. Um, but the constant search for change around the tiniest little things and around the format. game. Format. We've got two perfectly good formats. You choose to call them an indoor and outdoor when you could call them 11s and 6s. And that would get rid of all of this bullshit that we're having to go through trying to explain to these people that they're not doing anything to help the game. It's another level of administration and bureaucracy that they're adding to the game. And let's face it, the only people in hockey who really make money are administrators. Indeed. And and there's, uh, you know, Keelig has it levelled against her that she's uh, causing a rift in the hockey family. Come on, guys. Wise up. Have a look at what the hockey family actually want and actually need and uh, get out of your ivory towers. Well, Matt... I don't even know if we're on to feedback. New ranking system, that's coming up. Oh, that's, that, that's a good thing. Well done, FIH. Yes, we do need a ranking system. Now, don't just... Well, no, we don't. No, get, it's absolute rubbish. We don't need a ranking system because oh. everything's going pro-league-wise. Everything's going uh, hockey series open, hockey series finals. Why do we need a ranking system at all? Let's everybody play it out in tournament format, and wherever it falls, that's where it falls. All the positions that go through to the big tournaments are done on per tournament basis this is the qualification process everybody gets a chance you beat these teams you progress you beat those teams you win the thing you go through to the thing that's it where the rankings lie who cares what it's about some funding well fuck it (laughs) why do we need them it's absolute rubbish anyway if you want to know why we need them or some alternatives to it you can check out studiohockey.com latest podcast from Mr Ernst Bar speaking of fives where's the funding coming from Oh, government again? <laughs> Great. Good one. Pro League coming up, mate. That's uh, going to be interesting issues We're on We're going to talk more about there. that in um, the new year because well, there's been several announcements about the Pro League. Thierry Will announcing <laughs> that, seriously, Thierry, you're not having a major sponsor. It's go- because you want it to be... A hockey's a family sport. It's a family sport. We don't need big commercial sponsors. We don't need a big commercial sponsor. Do you remember your predecessor? Because the official reason for his your predecessor... Resigning, I'll put that in inverted commas, resigning from the FIH was because he hadn't secured sponsorship for the Pro League. And then we'll add to that, do you remember your previous 20 years in uh, uh, experience with Adidas and FIFA? Um, a four-year four international program, that's coming up, John. Uh, Pro League, you just mentioned Pro League. India are in from 2021. Thierry mentioned that in the broadcast he commentary. Um Weren't expecting that, but uh, yeah, India, welcome to the Pro League. Uh, not too long to wait for that. 
two years down the line. Junior World Cup, the next one will happen in 2021. There's going to be a year break. Does that mean we lose a generation experience in that kind of event? There'll be some people that are going to be upset upset because of the age going on with it. Lots of stuff going on in Hockey India. Uh, will there be a coach there next week? Will there be a high-performance director? Will there be a, a CEO? CEO. Uh, we'll watch on with interest. There's a few things that have gone oh, up for uh, some questions. Um, yeah, tune in for the next episode of Dr. Cuckoo and the Tiny Boss. Uh, Ollie's doing all right, by the way, John. Uh, Is he? He's gone off into the night. He had a cracking time at the uh, Odisha Hockey Men's World Cup. Excellent. So did we watching on. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, look, have a good Chrissy, because we'll, we'll, there'll be some stuff coming out between here oh, and then. Oh, it's going to kick uh, off the new year. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to bringing you much, much more. Merry Christmas! Ho, ho, hockey! What's going on? I just can't get my head around it. It's just absolute madness. I, I, I just don't know if, if they're up to the job. It, it might be time to... Release the Kraken. <laughs>